Tonight at 7, Jerry tells you exactly what to think about the news so you can sound informed without knowing what you're saying. Soundbite with Jerry Piesendorf. At 8, Maddie Tyler has a connected family and an expensive education. Now she gets to say things on TV. Tyler time. At 8.30, he's barely literate and has a nebulous grasp of current events. But he ticked a box. Hear him mispronounce random words on the Lucky Goswell Show. If you thought the president could do no wrong, you're right. Rachel Singer buries her nose deep in the bum of the executive branch for a solid hour. Singer, 9 p.m. But first, two grown men make highbrow poo-poo jokes. Questionable material with Jack and Brian. You are listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Obituaries desk. Um, hi, I was wondering if I could, um, do you guys take like pre-orders? Yeah, we do. Yes. We, uh, we, you know, if it's a celebrity or something like that, we usually prepare an obit in advance so that we have something to run, uh, when that person passes away, like for Prince Albert, Mm -hmm. we had something ready Mm -hmm. to go. Like the minute he, I mean, before they even said he's gone, uh, your highness, uh, we were already publishing his obituary because we were ready to go. Even we've had that thing in the can for years. All we had to do is really just add the date and that, uh, and that Meghan Markle is a kind of a twat. You put that in the obituary? Yeah, we just added that at the end. So you like to, um, that's interesting. So in your obituaries, you like to um, editorialize. You know, not always, but it just felt like we saw the interview and we're like, oh, she just seems like she's she's got this dude wrapped around her finger and, and she doesn't seem very pleasant. So um, yeah, we, we added that in. Am I getting flack for it? Yes. Sure. Um, have you done that with a lot of your other obituaries? You know, I have. Um, there, there are certain characters, um, you know, who, who just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And even though we had the obituaries ready to go, I just felt like right before we hit the publish button, I just kind of added a, a few things in there. Like um, R- Rush Limbaugh. Oh, my gosh. Um, what did you say when, when you ran Rush's obituary? I just added that he was a bit of a twat. Is that your only move? You know, I don't want to be too vulgar, but I also want to get my point across. So, you know, right. you know leaves behind the so-and-so friends, family, blah, blah, and was a bit of a twat. Okay. What about, I remember last year when, um, you know, when Wilford Brimley died. Yeah. I and mean, I think we all remember where we were. Um, what was his, what did, what did you say in his obituary? You know, he's known for his roles in such movies as Cocoon and, and, uh, the, the law firm one and uh, it had a big mustache, of course. And, and he was a bit of a twat. Okay. And it feels like it, maybe it's also getting a little bit lazy and the law firm one. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I didn't really have the time, you know, his, his obituary, we kind of really did at the last minute because we had thought he was already dead. And so there was this scramble, this mad scramble. Oh, Wilford Brimley died. What are you talking about? He's been dead for 20 years. No, no, he just died. And so we okay. just, we just grabbed as much stuff as we could. So I, I remembered Cocoon and the legal firm one. And that's just how I published it. Okay. 
So basically it, it goes from your computer screen right to the pages of the newspaper? Pretty much, yeah. Obviously, one of the biggest deaths of 2020 was uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, the Supreme Court justice. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, th that must have been maybe the work of yours that was read the most, I would imagine. What um, what did you have to say about um, the former uh, uh, justice of the Supreme Court? Well, she, that she was incredibly charismatic and, and groundbreaking and much adored by her fans. And it was a little bit of a twat. And, um, uh, you know, and that her vacancy left uh, le left a hole open in the Supreme Court to be filled by presumably some twat. Do you have any ideals at all or do you just hate everybody? That's pretty much, I hate, that's why I got into the obituary business. Cause I love telling people that somebody died. It gives me like a sense of joy. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. That's a strange thing. Just real quickly. When little Richard died last year, now that's obviously, that's a big one. That's, you know, everyone, I remember everyone in my office took, took the day off and, you know, needed time to reflect when little Richard died. Um, I remember, cause I, you know, I, I read all of your stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember that your little Richard headline uh, obituary really shook up a lot of people. What, what did you say about little Richard and his obituary? Good golly, Miss Molly. It's Jesus. So that's, you know, it's kind of like a, I combined a song uh -huh. of his plus what he would see upon passing, mm -hmm. uh, assuming he was a good Christian. I don't know if he was or not. I'm just, a, I wanted him to be, so I've made it that way. Okay. Uh, but but uh, not a twat. Oh, no, that's in the end. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, no, can you just give me the whole the whole thing, please? Little Richard is survived by uh, the love of his life, Shamu. <laughs> and he was a bit of a twat. Not, not a lot of us remember who Shamu is. Is that was that his his wife, one of his wives? No, no, it's a killer whale that he was obsessed with. If you've ever been to Little Richard's house, and I assume you have, uh, he's got mm -hmm. lots of stuffed animals of, of orcas. He was obsessed mm -hmm. with orcas and he was uh, obsessed with Shamu. And he was one of the biggest donors to SeaWorld. Uh, yes, I didn't know that. He had a well, private I, I box. Was, you know, some people have luxury boxes at, at football stadiums and baseball stadiums. He had one yeah. at SeaWorld. Had no idea. You would go there and have a lovely time and, and eat hors d'oeuvres and, and have little cocktails. And then you'd, you'd watch Shamu go back and forth and back and forth. It's fascinating. That is really strange. You know what he used to say? I, I don't know what he used to say. Big fish, little pond. And then he'd gesticulate towards the thing of water that the Shamu was in. Uh-huh. He loved animals confined in small spaces. <laughs> Do you, is there any sense as to why that is? Well, that's where the little Richard comes from. Really? Yeah. I didn't. Okay, go on. He loved things to be confined in small spaces. If you say, for example, if he had a dog, mm -hmm. he would buy a crate for the dog that was twice smaller than the dog. And the poor little thing, its face would be pressed up against the bars. This little puppy mm -hmm. eyes going, why are you doing this to me? And. Little mm -hmm. Richard would just say, good golly, Miss Molly. 
So he really leaned on that one song, huh? It was the only song that I recalled. <laughs> yeah, that I knew. That much I knew. All right. Well, you know, if we can get back to the reason I called. Yes. I need to write uh, an obituary for my mother, who is still alive mm -hmm. and who I love very, very much. Mm -hmm. She is a very special woman to me. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, uh, her name is Janet. And I was wondering if you could help me sort of pre because I'm going to be too grief stricken when she actually goes to like take care of all of these little details. So I'm actually trying to take care of all the little details. Now mm -hmm. I bought a cemetery plot, mm -hmm. um, uh, the headstone, all that stuff I've actually uh, done ahead of time. So I can just deal with my grieving. I need help writing her obituary. Um, can you maybe help me out? Absolutely. Okay. So uh, her name is uh, Janet Helmuth. Mm -hmm. um, uh, mother of one. I'm an only child. And, um, uh, divorced. She divorced my dad, uh, and she had two sisters. So can you just sort of put something together and see if I, and then I'll, I'll potentially buy it from you. Sure. I would start okay. with Janet Helmuth was, was called to the loving embrace of the Lord <sighs> while driving down route I 85 at a tremendous rate of speed. <laughs> she was distracted by a deer and even though the deer wasn't going to do anything, she swerved toward it, resulting in a collision that killed four people, including Janet Helmuth. And all those people were called home to the Lord. Except for Shmuel Rabinowitz. He's a Jew. Is that it? No. Okay, can you just wrap it up so I can make my final decision? Janet is the mother of Jack Helmuth and the sister of two other Helmuths. And before being called home to the Lord, she was on fire for several minutes, <laughs> screaming, why is this happening to me? I've been so good. Passersby said it was one of the most dramatic deaths they've ever seen. And were unaware that she had a trunk full of puppies she was bringing to her loving son, Jack, as a form of donation for all the love and support that he's shown her over the years. Oh, no. The singed puppies were also called home to the Lord. And two of the rescuers were so traumatized that they called <laughs> themselves home to the Lord. What's left Sounds will like be buried at Ridgewood Cemetery in Dobbs Ferry. Mm -hmm. Look for the plot that says Janet. It's a big J. In lieu of donations, please scream into the heavens that it's not fair. <laughs> Something like that. That's, that's great. It's an, and that's all? There's nothing else? Well, she was a bit of a twat. <laughs> so, Brian. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny that we just sort of wound up that last bit, uh, which we improvised. Yeah. In a way that I was not anticipating, because you can't plan these things when you improvise, about my mom. Yeah, your mom. My mom, Janet, who is thankfully uh, with us and not 
dead. Speak for yourself, dude. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, that, that is not the podcast endorsement. That is my opinion and my opinion only. That is not the position of this podcast. However, uh, my mom is on my mind because my mom is selling my childhood home. Oh, she. Yeah, she she uh, I've been I've I've been up there a few times in the last two or three months to help her pack up stuff and and move boxes and lift things and just go through a bunch of stuff. Just Mm -hmm. help her. She's a um, 74 year old woman who lives alone. And um, so the house has hit the market uh, yesterday. Wow. And now I know you're you're a big time into real estate. Is Mm -hmm. that right? I am. Yeah. Big real estate person. Big time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you're. a licensed real estate agent in, in how many states and pro, uh, provinces? Um, well, I mean, right now, uh, just New England. So uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maine, v- Vermont, New Hampshire, New York, mm-hmm. um, and then and Pennsylvania and other states that aren't really New England, but they're just kind of close. And we all kind of share oh. the same passion for Lyme disease. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, and I respect your passions. So, um, well, that's great. You know, it, it dawns on me that I should have come to you for this advice when we were getting ready to sell the house. But I was wondering if you could give us some tips and tricks to for people who are looking to sell their house. It's a hot market. Yes, it is. Hot, especially hot time out, to sell your house outside of the cities. Yes. Yeah, very much. So um, I was wondering, you know, people could probably use some sort of real estate tips from a, a, a licensed expert uh, such as yourself. Absolutely. There's a science to selling a house that a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. and they go about things the wrong way. Okay. Um, one of the things is uh, you want to, you know, you've got to put your best pictures out there mm-hmm. because people make very quick decisions based on what they see. For example, if you take pictures of your house in the wintertime, it looks kind of gloomy. Mm. So you oh. got to spice things up hmm. or you wait until the spring when things are pretty and you, you take pictures of your house and you know, what you try to do is you'll you dress your young women as sprites and just have them prancing around your line. Cause a lot of people want to live in a house that's surrounded by sprites. Do they? I do. <laughs> okay. And, and you usually substitute your tastes for the tastes of most people. Well, this is based on my experience as a real estate agent. You want to show the house and make it, we, you, that's a term, showing okay. the house. Mm-hmm. You want it to show. Wow. Mm-hmm. And by show, you want to make it look pretty. Mm-hmm. So um, here's a lot of things you can do. Okay. Um, if you have tombstones in your front yard, get, get rid of them. Like if there was an old graveyard there, mm-hmm. this part of the property, just take, take the stones down. People don't want to be reminded of that stuff. Get rid of the stones. Do you need to exhume the bodies? No, you can leave them there as fertilizer, but you just don't want the stones. Okay. It seems like that might be a violation of some kind or another. Your property, your rights. Well, what questions do you have for me? I Well, thank you. I do have a bunch of questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're welcome. I did. Okay, sure. Um, you know, my first question is, you know, how, how do you stage a house? Um, you know, we, we cleaned up a lot of the stuff that had 
been there, just the stuff that she's accumulated over 41 years of living there and, you know, sort of clean that up. But then how do you stage the house to make it uh, appealing to strangers? Well, that's the thing. You want something that is appealing to everybody. Mm -hmm. So what comes to mind? What is appealing to everybody you can think of? Well, uh, McDonald's and Stephen King books. So, you know, I'll leave McDonald's wrappers around and Stephen King books next to them. And, and that, you know, is relatable to people. They walk in, they see that they're like, Oh, I, I like fast food and Stephen King. They're both kind of similar in many ways, you know, very easily digestible, uh, you know, cheap and easy, you know? Right. And um, so, you know, that is one method. Both, both will make you shit your pants. Really depends who handles the book. Good point. So that's one thing is, you know, staging. Okay. It's super important. Now, some people have really bad taste. Yes. Tell me about it. And so, you know, that, that is always a, a dilemma because you don't want to insult your client by saying, listen, I think you have terrible taste in everything. And if I could, I'd gut your house and get all the crap out of it. Uh, one woman uh, hired me to sell her house and I went inside and she had dolls everywhere. These little yeah. dolls, you're just sitting on shelves, sitting on the windowsill, sitting in the, in the bathroom and just, just dolls, dolls, dolls. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not my taste, but I, I'm sure that's normal. It's normal, but it's really weird. Yeah. So what did you do? Well, I went to Home Depot and outside the Home Depot, there's usually a pool of men standing around looking for labor for the day. Yep. I got mm -hmm. two guys. Mm -hmm. I paid them $40 each and one of them forced his way in the front of the house. The other one forced his way in the back of the house. Uh, one guy uh, held her at knife point while the other one gathered all the dolls. Uh huh. And then afterwards I called her just to check in about <laughs> selling the house. And mm -hmm. she told me she, she'd just been robbed. Uh, you know, they, she was okay, but she's shaken. Mm -hmm. And I said, Oh, you know, are you, you're okay. That's, and she's like, yeah, but they took my dolls. And then I just say, well, you know what? It's, it's, it's what the Lord wanted. <laughs> it's okay. At least we have, have the have house. A, yeah. At least you have that. Um, it's the, the, those practices are a little concerning to me. I, you know, has it, one of these situations ever sort of gone wrong on you? Like, uh, and, and gone not the way you expected. You know, because for forty dollars, you're you're not going to get the best work, contracting or uh, holding old women at knife point. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a, a lottery in a way. You know, you don't know who you're hiring. You're not going by a resume or a reputation. So you got to kind of cross your fingers and hope you don't get another arsonist. And mm -hmm. and that's and that, what do you mean another? Well, that was one of the issues we had at, at three ten Bryce Manor. Um, his job specifically was to break in and, and repaint uh, the master bedroom, which she had gone with a terrible, like a lime green. It was hideous. Mm -hmm. And uh, his job was only to repaint it uh, with a much more neutral color uh, sure. that I thought would really help market the house better. But they, So you hired a guy to break into her house? Yep. And paint just it. Just to repaint the bedroom? Yeah. Okay. So what I didn't mention was that she was still in the house. <laughs> So of course, uh, this older lady wakes up, there's a man painting her horrible lime green bedroom, uh, a much mm -hmm. nicer shade, like a taupe. Uh, but it, it inspired her to have a heart attack. 
And then this gentleman, you know, who's already uh, flirting with the law, as, a, as I'd say, um, was a little bit terrified. So he just dashed down to the garage, found a can of gasoline, and, and he just tried to hide the evidence. And he just, just wound up- comes naturally. Yeah. And he just hid the whole house. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's a tragedy. My percentage is gone. My 3%. Goodbye. So the, ins- the insurance paid out. Mr. Brookings got it. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's the luckiest little Springer Spaniel you'll ever meet. Okay. Very formal name for a dog. Yeah. Well, she named it after the Brookings Institution. <laughs> so she was a real policy wonk? She was a policy wonk. Yeah. In her heyday. Okay. And what, what was her heyday like? You know much about her? Well, she was more vibrant and alive, of course. And, um, you know, she was apparently just a very sharp. They called her like a real sharp number. Oh, okay. And she wrote a lot of white papers. Mm-hmm. Which today would get you in trouble. They should just be papers. That's right. <laughs> but you know what? She was a bit of a twat. I don't know if you uh, uh, watched. I, I hope you didn't. Um, the Oscars was on television. You know, I miss it. I, it's a shame because I, I keep missing it every year. I just, I'm like, oh, the Oscars huh. are when? Oh, I missed it. And they'll be like, no, no, it's, it's tomorrow night. I'm like, oh, I missed it. Oh, no, it's, it's Sunday night. You can, I, it's, I missed it. Like, Brian, it's Saturday. Oh. I missed it. Well, it's so funny because um, a lot of people are sharing your same story. A lot of people missed this year's Oscars. And for those who didn't, they sincerely wish they did. Apparently, it was just an awful, awful show. I thought to myself, like, you know, Brian could fix this show. Yep. You're you're an event planner, right? That's something you do in your spare time? I've done a lot of event planning. Yep. Yeah. So it seems like you're the type of guy with that sort of mind to, you know, create moments to create events that Brian is the person they need to bring in to shake things up and make the Oscars a watchable event again. Yes. So, you know, I was thinking maybe you could share some of your um, ideas that you have to fix the Oscars so that next year it's the can't miss TV event that it outranks the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, I'm waiting for them to contact me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got the, the motivation. I've got the history uh, the background in, in event planning and um, yeah, they're, they're fools for not reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. They are. Cause I know America uh, deserves a, a better Oscars. Thank you. Thank you for putting country first. Um, so, so let, let's start off right away. The, you, you, you know, when you've talked to me about this in the past, just sort of conversationally off the record, as we say in the podcasting business, the, um, that you would have different plans for um, how they give out awards. Yeah. how they actually present the awards. Tell us about some of those ideas that you have. Well, uh, one idea was, and this is based on my experience at weddings. And mm-hmm. so you, you have an MC and they have mm-hmm. the Oscar in their hands. And then if let's say it's a best documentary. So you get all the producers of the best documentary up on stage and you have them all grouped together. And then the host or the MC takes the Oscar statue and kind of turns away from the crowd and then just throws it up in the air like a bouquet. Smart. And you watch these producers and, and the producers who care the most about getting that Oscar will get it. Yeah. That is obviously um, just one way 
of distributing Oscars and, and kind of livening up things. Cause you watch the person get up and then walk down the aisle and then up the stairs. It takes forever. Right. It's so no, you make, what you do is you have a slide. Okay. And it's a fun slide. And so, okay. you know, you like, everybody lines up that. So let's say it's a, a best a supporting actress. Great. And they're all lined up next to the fun slide. And then they announce the name. And as soon as the name is announced, that person jumps on the fun slide and you just watch them sailing down. And then they, they whoop at the end, there's like this little curve and they go flying up in the air and they land on the stage. And you know, it, it's going to be, everybody's watching like, Oh, is she going to land on her feet, on her face, on her back? Like, how's it yeah. going to end? And you never know. There's no way to predict it. Well, that's gotta be very exciting when, you know, when Jennifer Lawrence, you know, comes shooting out of a tube, like I, I want to see what happens next. Exactly. Thank you. These people are fools for not calling me. They really are. I mean, I think we're all seeing that. My one concern about the slide thing is um, for the safety of the actresses. Yeah. Well, you know, they have stunt people. So you'd say that it's Meryl Streep coming down the slide. Right. And she shoots out and then the camera cuts away and then the actual Meryl Streep pops out because it's the stunt person on the slide. Yeah. So the stunt person jumps, comes off the slide, lands. At that moment, they just cut to Denzel Washington and just briefly and then back to Meryl Streep, you know, kind of, and she gets up and she brushes herself off and then she walks to the podium. Kind of awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of the many ways I'm going to make uh, the Oscars more interesting, more watchable and get those numbers up again, back to where they should be. Absolutely. Now, um, you had told me uh, once that you had a different way also for the participants in the categories to really compete to, for, to win. So it's not about getting the award, uh, the actual hard award in your hand, but, but actually to um, compete and make things a little bit more personal, make things a little bit more of a rivalry because rivalries sell. Yeah. And that was inspired uh, by the, by the uh, hunger games. Okay. Oh, speaking of Jennifer Lawrence. Sure. Yeah. And so uh, what, yeah, you'd get, let, let's say a best sound design. Mm -hmm. And so you get the sound design guys up on stage, you know, and it's going to be fascinating because these are guys who are basically sitting in a chair all day long. They're, they're middle-aged and heavy set, not very active. Sure. And you're going to give them all uh, Japanese uh, swords, the kendo swords, the, the bamboo swords. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about bruises and, and maybe the occasional fracture, but you know, we're not slicing and dicing. We don't need that kind of bloodshed. We want bludgeoning in the middle of the stage is the Oscar, but also weapons. And then they just <laughs> run and they grab the smart people, grab the weapons. Yep. Cause if you grab that Oscar first, you know, they're going to weapon it out of you in no time. Yeah. Cause yeah. there's actually one less sword than there are uh, people competing for the Oscar. So there's always somebody who's going to be the, the odd man out. Right. And uh, what was it? I mean, it would, it would, it's going to be kind of a spectacle because you'll see yeah. this, you know, you know, pudgy slow man just begging, like, please stop hitting me with these Japanese bamboo swords. Yeah, I don't want the award. It, it actually yeah. means nothing for yeah. my career. And he might just walk away from it. He, um, you know, gives up his Oscar for the chance to not be uh, bludgeoned, which is a mm -hmm. fair trade for many people. I'd make that trade. And then, you know, they always have the gallery of showing all the people we lost over the, in the last year. The people yeah, who memoriam. passed away the, in memoriam. But what if we showed the moment of their passing? <laughs> okay, go on. 
So we just show video after video of, you know, people expiring. Maybe it's from fentanyl or from having a heart attack or dri driving their uh, sports car too fast uh, and going off the bridge um, mm -hmm. or another drug overdose. You know, it, it can be fascinating. Right. So, so, you know, when, when Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock on the Star Trek uh, shows and movies um, dies, what, what do you show there? Well, you just, you, you capture his last moments as he kind of looks to the ceiling and, and then just kind of does this good <laughs> and then falls asleep forever sleep. Mm -hmm. And then you just say Leonard Nimoy. Man, that's, um, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, it makes you watch. You know what? I stand corrected. You'd want to see it and I want to see it. Yeah. The only problem is it requires everybody to basically log themselves constantly, which a lot of these people do anyway. Right. So you just got to keep that camera rolling because you never know. What, what was the most memorable celebrity death? Because I know you curate these um, that you've seen on one of these um, uh, videos for like an in memoriam. Wilford Brimley. <laughs> yeah, I heard he died recently. What, how did, how did he go? I, you know, I don't worry. I didn't read that obituary. Uh, he had a kitten named Weeble <laughs> okay. and he was chasing, he, and he was chasing the kitten at the Louvre museum in Paris. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He brought his kitten and he's chasing the kitten. The kitten got out of the bag and he's trying to grab the kitten. And, and, and then he tripped and he fell down a flight of marble stairs. The Louvre is a very, you know, fancy building. It used to be a palace. Yeah. He fell right. down a flight of stairs and then into the hall of statues. Uh -huh. And then he bumps into the pedestal and he's absolutely crushed by <laughs> the statue of David. Michelangelo's masterpiece. Right. And, um, and it's tragic on many levels because one, there's a great statue and two, Wilford Brimley didn't, you know, need to be crushed to death by David. And, you know, and also the, you know, the kitten. <laughs> what happened to the kitten? Well, he had just grabbed the kitten, so he had the kitten in his hands. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you know this, when you're crushed by statues, you, uh -huh. your muscles go into a spasm where they just kind of clench. So the poor kitten yep. was trapped and, you know, and couldn't breathe. And, and all the people there in the Louvre who are just tourists looking to look at statues are suddenly freaking out because there's a crushed Wilford Brimley who's <laughs> who's suffocating a kitten and you know they're in shock they're taking pictures you know they're, they're celebrity excitement you know but also terrible kitten death and it's just it was it's a really memorable experience it is but that's not why you go to Paris it's not back to the Oscars real quickly let's, yeah. let's wrap this up yeah um you had uh, some some thoughts for for hosting for changes to hosting now um Hosts have become a very controversial topic for the Oscars. You can't have done or said anything ever in the past before 2018. Yeah, that Kevin Hart son of a words. gun, right? Kevin Hart, super funny dude, would have been a great host, but um, was canceled. So now they just like they didn't. A lot of award shows don't have hosts, which make them even more awful than they were. At least you'd want to tune in for the seven minutes of the monologue or. Yes. What are some of your thoughts uh, for, for hosting? The show? Well, you know, everybody's default is Ricky Gervais. Yeah. He's cause he's so funny and he's super entertaining and he, you know, he tears down these you know, hoity toity 
uh, celebrity types and really, you know, makes them uncomfortable, which is extremely entertaining to everybody, but, but them. Um, but I think that's just too easy. I think Gervais, Mm. you know, he's, he's, that's the easiest route. You know, it's like picking between Coke and RC Cola. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, what I would do is, um, I have a, a, I know a guy as Lispy Jim and Lispy Jim has a tremendous speech impediment. <laughs> a tremendous speech impediment. Tremendous. And, and what's fascinating is, is when people have a tremendous speech impediment, people pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. So if, oh. some, if somebody's up there on stage and say, you know, you know, you're going to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it seems difficult. It does not sound like a fun night on the couch. And and so, you know, you're you're going to be people just like on the edge of their seats just staring at the TV like what what did this dude just say? <laughs> what is he what is he t- going on about? And you know, talk about and and so you're going to you're going to be like, "Oh my god, Barbara, come here. Listen to this." And right. you could, I can picture whole families kind of gathering around the TV. Like, what is this guy trying to say? And why did they choose him as the host? And then I'm going to be on the side of the stage, you know, with my arms crossed, just kind of nodding because this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I imagine it would also create a lot of confusion within the room where, you know, Tom Hanks is sitting there. He can't understand what was just said. And he goes up and accidentally wins the, uh, takes the award for best hair and makeup. Right. Which would be hilarious. I mean, that's going to be even funnier than a, a Ricky Gervais joke because, you know, it's he, true. Well, I don't Tom Hanks. You know, it's going to be like, what? Oh, I, I thought you said Tom Hanks. I didn't, you know, like it's a really bad speech impediment. It's terrible. Poor Jim. Poor Lispy Jim. Yeah. No, it's, it's sad. But, you know, he's the good thing is uh, he's incredibly wealthy. <laughs> That's good. How did he get his money? Uh, he sued his parents. <laughs> well, and it sounds like he has a case. He does have a case. He's a good kisser, though. <laughs> Jack. Yes, Brian. Uh, I have a friend named Brad. Yeah. And Brad is a director. Mm-hmm. And he's real. A lot of people don't believe that, but he's a real person. Yep. He's and real. I've met him. Yep. And as you know, uh, he's always working on new projects and he loves you. He thinks you are one of the most talented actors of our generation that just hasn't been discovered and he wants you to be discovered. And so he likes to have you audition. He sends me scripts. We haven't had much luck because he's very strict. You have to do the audition. You can't break character ever or you don't get the role. And he's very, very strict about that. And you know that. And the other thing is he's weird. He doesn't want you to see the script uh, beforehand. It has to be cold. Right. Uh, he sent me some scripts that he'd like you to audition for. And I'm going to okay. send you the first one right now. Okay, great. Please do. Yeah, I, I know he likes a natural performance. So I, I understand, I guess, that he wants me to, to hear it sort of the first time coming out of my mouth. But gosh, you know, it really would be helpful if I could read these beforehand because I, I really can't. No. All right. I just send it to you. Okay. So this one is called The Rural Doctor. Okay. And The Rural Doctor, it's a, it's a film. It's kind of like a, uh, a drama about a, a doctor who, who lives, he's remote. He's a very smart guy, but he's very remote. And he's living okay. out in the, in the boondocks, as it were. 
And, okay. uh, and this is uh, his story. It's, and he's thinking of you as for the role of Geraldson. Dr. Geraldson is the lead. Ooh. And, uh, oh, yeah. all right. um, and in this case, I'll be playing the role of Bernice. So a woman who's, who's come to see him. All right. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. I've opened it and I have read nothing. Okay. It okay. starts interior doctor's examination room. Bernice, I'll be playing that sits on an examination table in a patient gown. There's a knock at the door. Miss Bernice, it's Dr. Geraldson. Uh, did you have a chance to put on your patient gown? Yes, doctor. You may come in. Dr. Geraldson enters and offers his hand. Nice to meet you, Miss Bernice. I'm Dr. Adam Geraldson. Hi, doctor. Thank you for seeing me without an appointment. I'm on vacation and there was no one else in the area I could go to. No, it's, it's pretty rural out here. That's why I like it. Opened my practice here 26 years ago. I'm the only OBGYN for 130 miles. Well, I'll be honest. I've never had a male OBGYN before. It's, it's a little weird for me. Well, a sexy little thing like yourself needn't worry. I've been married for 32 years. In all that time, the only tinkle flower I've seen is my wife, Barbara's. But professionally, I mean. Including professionally. You see that crucifix on the ceiling? I keep my eyes fixed on that. You don't need to worry about me getting a good squint at your birth cannon. But don't you need to see what you're doing? I do see with these seven fingers that God gave me. He originally gave me 10, but I'm terrible with power tools. So three were called back to heaven. Okay, have a lie back and let's take a look at your vajiggles. Okay. Are you sure you just want to steer at the ceiling? There's no way I'm going home to Barbara and telling her I saw another lady's organ grinder. What's this? That's my belly button. Okay, so Mr. Fingers takes a trip, goes six steps, and in he slips. No, 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 no. That's my... Bummer! Mr. Fingers walked too fast, I guess. Naughty Mr. Fingers. Let's have him do a 180 and take two steps. Bingo. There she blows. Just kidding. Please don't. The stuff you see in those videos is all fake, by the way. Or I would have... Or I would have learned it about it in my hoo-ha class. Okay. And refresh my memory. Why are Mr. Fingers and I hiking Mount Pleasant? <laughs> um, I think I may have a cyst and I just wanted to make sure it's nothing so I can worry, so I can enjoy my vacation without worrying. Well, let's have Mr. Fingers take a look then. Okay, there we go. That feels like a cyst. Oh, it isn't. Oh, my God. Oh, maybe you should look with your eyes. Sure. I'd love to go home and tell Barbara that after 32 years of blissful marriage, I saw some other ladies front bottom. Why did you become an OBGYN if you won't even do the basics? Aha. Is this the cyst you were talking about? Oh, no. You just keep touching that. It's, that's not a cyst. Are you sure? Oh. Uh-oh, Mr. Fingers. <sighs> Why is he making that into a freaking film? I think it's a, an interesting drama. I mean, you know, just because you had difficulties maintaining composure uh, during your cold read. Uh, it's not my problem. That's okay. We've got another chance. I'm going to send it to you now. Uh, Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant. All right. 
Now, this one is called The Invention of Dairy. <laughs> okay. And it's a film about, I guess, the invention of dairy. Okay. Way to go out on a limb. Uh, All right. I've just opened it and I've read nothing. Okay. So it's set uh, the ex exterior field, early morning. The graphic on the okay. screen says a long time ago, Bug Bug approaches Jorg. I guess you'll be playing Jorg, who is in a field with a cow. What are you yelling about? Come here. I want you to see this. A cow? So what? They're all over the place. That's why you've been screaming for me? No, no, here, underneath the cow. Take a look at this. What about it? Look what happens when you grip one and do this motion. Dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> You'll see. I just need to build up a rhythm. You're messed up, dude. That's sick. No, trust me. Just give it a little time and there's a payoff. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. You've, you've lost your mind. I should tell the tribal elders. There, look, see? And you can put a pail underneath and collect it. And the thing is, as long as the cow is healthy and has food and water, it's constantly renewing itself. So you never run out. It's a renewable food source. I don't know, dude. It just seems weird that you'd even think to do that. It just came to me one day. Oh, yeah? How? Um, an angel? No, no, I'm not going to let you accuse some supernatural being of introducing you to whatever the hell it is you're doing. I call it milking. I'm milking a cow. Milking a cow. Yeah, it could be huge. It could result in healthier people, bigger, stronger people with strong bones and everything. From that? Yup. And all you have to do is wake up, grab one of these things and milk away. So if we have a bunch of these cows and keep them close by, we have a food source? Exactly. And the cool thing is, is that the female cows have six of these things. So they produce six times as much as this fella? Yep. And you can tell that they love it. It's a win-win. Okay. Grab a pail and start milking. <sighs> Does Brad hate me? Is he trying to humiliate me? Because. Oh, that's a shame. <clears throat> you know, we've got another chance. There's no we in this. This isn't a sponsor thing. This is my chance to break through. Yeah. Leave the podcasting business, which uh, frankly is oversaturated and pays nothing. Well, um, you know, I wish you the best of luck here. Here's your third chance today to, to be a Hollywood celebrity. Yeah, thanks. Should I get an Oscar thrown at me? This one looks pretty good. <clears throat> it's called Time Force. That sounds good. Sounds like a little bit more my speed than the uh, jerking off a cow film. You know, it is what it is. Um, this is an action film. Okay, good. And uh, you would be playing the role of General Johansson if you get the Ooh. part. Uh, I'm going to read for Captain Billings. Okay. And, and it's a, it's like time travel adventure. Those are always fun movies. I'm ready. I've just opened it and I haven't even read a single word. Go ahead. Interior laboratory, late night. Captain Billings, I'll be reading that, stands before a time portal that vibrates with energy and light. Major General Johansson, that's you, addresses him. You're a brave man, Captain. Thank you, sir. Let me tell you how this works. Yes, sir. On my mark, you will enter the time transfer portal. It will send you back to the exact date and time that we specified. Yes, sir. 
for purposes of the time travel, you will enter in your birthday suit. You will have to procure your own clothing as well as weapons and papers. This is going to be challenging. Yes, sir. And of course, there's no coming back. After you've completed Operation Kill Hitler, you'll have to forge a new life for yourself. It may not be easy. Understood, sir. You'll be transported to June 1933. 1933? Affirmative. So I'm not killing baby Hitler? Hitler was born in 1889. When you arrive in 1933, he'll, he's already the German chancellor. I see. So I'm assassinating grown-up Hitler. So more challenging, but it'll be easier on my conscience for sure. Grown-up Hitler? No. Well, but he'll be 44. But you're going to Tokyo. Tokyo? Yes, that's where Yoko Ono will be. Sorry, sir? <laughs> that's where baby Yoko will be. I'm being sent to kill baby Yoko Ono? Affirmative. But I signed up for Operation Kill Hitler. She's the worst. Well, if I'm going to Tokyo, why, why did you want someone like me who's fluent in German? Because after you kill baby Yoko, we want you to shout in German. <laughs> Just say a lot of German stuff. It all sounds angry anyway. If it fractures the Germany-Japan relationship, it'll be a bonus. But that's just gravy. The most of the matter is killing that fucking weirdo. <laughs> Why Yoko Ono, sir? Because of what she did to the Beatles. Fuck her. Sir, we have one chance to dramatically alter history and we're using it to keep the Beatles together? We did the math, Captain. It's worth it. Sir. You'll be going soon. Remember, kill baby Yoko, scream in German, and then hide because you definitely don't look Japanese, especially if you're naked. You'll stick out like a sore thumb with a circumcised penis. But sir, I... And make sure it's Yoko Ono you're killing. Otherwise, we'll get slammed by the stop Asian hate people on Twitter. Sir, the president signed off on this? World's greatest Beatles fan. I'm at a loss for words. You'll get them back. Just make sure they're German words and that you shout them when you're killing that John Lennon whipping Beetlebagger. Sir? Her shitty poems. She can't sing. Screeching isn't singing. Avant-garde my ass. That's French for I have no talent. Yes, sir. Have you seen her Twitter feed? Lunacy. Sir, I just... Worse than Hitler. Trust us. Top government people came to this conclusion. I guess so, sir. No talent, dipshit. You're doing the world a great service. Thank you, sir. I guess. Garbage artist. Rotten piece. Rotten piss. <laughs> okay. If if that if Brad makes that movie, he's gonna get some heat. I don't know. It's Yoko Ono. Got a lot of enemies. Especially people who make sense. <laughs> I I was so into my character. Um, did I get did I get the any of those? Did I get that role? Not this time. Not this week. You know, Brad. It, it's important that he's got you in his mind. That's what's important. Yeah, yeah. He's thinking about you. So okay. he's um he's. Looking out for you. That's all I can say. I just hope you can rise to the occasion and and not laugh. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, 
just go ahead and close down the podcast. The show's over. All right. Review us and all that. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Follow the podcast to get every episode. Our website is qmpodcast.com. Our email is contact at qmpodcast.com. Hey, everyone. If you get incredibly depressed when an episode of Questionable Material concludes because you love it so much, but also maybe because of low blood sugar, we want to recommend you check out The Political Orphanage with Andrew Heaton. Every Friday, he hosts Friday Release Valve, where he brings on funny people like us to investigate the week's underserved headlines, usually from Florida, sometimes from Australia, often involving monkeys. On Wednesday, he yammers about politics a lot, but on Fridays, it's comedy. So check out The Political Orphanage and look for those Friday episodes with the weird titles. Also, be sure to check with your doctor if you have low blood sugar.